1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions
2: apply. Oh, the sharp babe has such
3: teeth there and it shows that. So welcome everybody to another episode of Macklin's Take. Hope everybody is well. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we are going to hit a summer break with Macklin's Take in a couple of episodes time. So we've got today's and then we'll have one next week and then we'll be off until kind of late August, early September when the new season, um, if there is such a thing in boxing these days, is, is upon us because... By that point, we'll be able to get back out and about again. We'll be able to record podcasts face to face again. We'll be at fight weeks again, new fight weeks as well with Sky, which will be you know, which will be exciting. And and the world hopefully will have started turning in a more recognisable way to the one that we've got very used to over the last 15 months. And as mentioned in the podcast we did with with John Pegg a couple of weeks ago, what we're doing at the minute uh we did it with John bit with Dennis last week and and definitely today is we're going to kind of just usher out this covid era by by talking to a good couple of pals of ours about their experiences of it um hopefully find some humor in it we we generally tend to but highs lows that kind of thing because it has been completely completely extraordinary uh and after John Pegg, um a man who was equal first on the team sheet because um you know, he, he's, he's experienced this at all kind of levels of the sport, really, because uh, he's got his academy, his foundation. He's got um, a very thriving professional gym, very successful professional gym, has done for a really long time. He was doing some promoting before COVID started as well. Um, and he's got a family to look after, so he knows exactly what this has all, all been about. Uh, it's Joe Gallagher. Joe, how are things?
2: Not too bad, Andy. When you're talking about COVID... Um, I'm exhausted after it, I need a holiday, I know lots of people uh, had uh, time off and time to chill, but I was absolutely exhausted through it, that was my experience of it, um, but yeah, no, all good, um, busy busy week ahead next week, Jose Burton, Paul Butler, and then um, I've already dates for August, so as boxing, as you said, seasons, there is no seasons when you're uh, the, the fight, or, or especially the trainer anyway, fighters can go away for two or three weeks, but for a trainer, it's just constant, or as Eddie Hearn would say, relentless.
3: When you kind of look back on the, on the whole thing, none of us knew what, when it all started, none of us, you know, I was saying to John that when I look back on how long I thought it might last, or the fact that I thought it somehow wasn't going to end up coming here, despite the pictures we saw from Italy and Spain and Uh, And everything that that scientists and doctors were saying, I feel just like a a naive, a naive fool. But at the same time, nobody knew what was what this was going to be, what this was going to be like. None of the three of us did. Mm. Uh, What what do you remember about the kind of early stages of it where where the realisation dawns bit by bit? Like, holy shit, this is this is something like we've never seen before. And it's going to impact us in in all sorts of ways that we couldn't have imagined.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think at the time there was talks of it, but back then, pre-Covid, the thoughts that the whole country could be put on lockdown, everyone, yeah, everyone, go, I ain't staying in, not stopping me, not stopping me doing this. And that. Ta- and just before it, just before it, we had the, the Scott Quigg, John Carroll show and um, Quiggy was still suffering from his shoulder and I was saying, oh, let's put it back. Quiggy's very, no, no, no. And um it wasn't that long after it. It was, I think, a week or two after it. And it was just, wow, you've gone from there, from a, a big crowd, big night at the arena, boxing, to, like, everyone's stuck indoors. It's like, can't move, can't, grown can go to work. That very, very first lockdown was just like, wow. I never thought they'd be able to do that with the being so many people and so many free spirits, free-minded individuals to everybody to obey, I'm not saying everyone did obey, even though government couldn't obey the rules that they'd set themselves. But um at the time it was just it was just really weird that there was no gymnasium. And it was just a weird loads of people obviously were climbing walls. I, I know fighters were, trainers were, but the sport that you were involved in, just for it just to be completely shut down, it's just it felt so surreal that you were in the movies watching this on a big screen. That's what it felt like. So we've all watched them films, White House Down and all that type of stuff. Do you know what I mean? And you think, we're part of a, of a bigger film here, a bigger picture.
3: Matt, I remember that that Manchester show, yeah, really well. Um, probably about, I don't know, It's a good crowd in there that night. And it kind of touches what I, what I was saying before. None of us really walked away from that show that night thinking oh well, this is the last one we're going to do these for a while despite what was going on across the across the the rest of Europe I mean we just kind of slept walked into this into this I mean we had our heads in the sand but but none of us thought that did we when when we left Manchester we just said oh, okay brilliant see you for the golden contract in a couple of weeks and then the O2 show on on March the 28th I mean we were just you know it was it's mad to think about it now
1: yeah, I mean, I, I remember the Manchester show. It, it was Quig and John O'Carroll, wasn't it? And uh, I was out after in Manchester, and I bumped into Crawler, and it was packed. It was just loving life as normal. And you know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, with John, I ended up going to New York on the Thursday, and when I landed in New York, and I went to you know, literally got off the plane, checked the hotel, and went to the bar to get something to eat next to the garden. And Mick Condon was in there. And he was saying the show's off on the on the Saturday. And there was meant to be another one on the Tuesday. And then all of a sudden on the Friday, things were getting quite serious. Like things were closing down. <laughs> and I was thinking, I better get the fuck out of here. I'm going to be trapped. <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I changed my flight and came back the next day. So it was like, it all just happened. It, it, I mean, we can't say it came from nowhere because obviously we've seen the news about Spain and Italy. But I don't know, until it hits your own door, it, you don't, I don't know how seriously I took it. I was just thinking, oh, uh, I don't know, we we're playing it by year, I suppose, but I just didn't think
2: it had kind of come that quickly in the end where it did come. Yeah, I, Andy, I remember that you touched on it there. It was MTK, um, Golden Contract, and uh, I had Jose Burton, and he, I said to so Ophie, you go down, because they needed to do, like they always do it before a show, a bit of media work and stuff like that. Do that. They do the draw, and um, I'll be down on the day to do the day before to do the weighing with you. So has gone down there, <laughs> they've done the bit of the draw that they do, and then it's like, you no, know, that we've been told we've got to come back. It's like, it's not happening. And that's when it was like, wow, this is... It was so frustrating because I didn't think, hopefully going into that fight week, it's easier to say now. I just thought, don't care who we draw, you'll be anyone the form you're in. And um, I, when it happened, I just thought, oh my God, especially with a kid of Jose Burton, who can be up one minute and down the other. Oh my god! I've got to go back and do another ten-week camp with Oli after this. Now we'd we'll be spitting feathers, and and the cost implications. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's skin training camps, all that, and then to come back from a show and not be um have any type of money from it at all for for the expenses that you had. It it was hard for him, and he went into lockdown after that. Where you know and I know, Matt fighters have already spent that money. Oh, I'll get that fight, and I've won that. Do you know what I mean? And that will spend that will pay, and it's like. All that for for nothing, yeah. I remember now it was the Golden Contract Week, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, it was, and and I remember. So it was Hosea, Liam Conroy, Sergey Michel and and uh, Richard Polotnik who who were down at Repton with us for the like you said for the draw, and we, we had a chat with with Hosea for the for the uh, Sky podcast, and um he kind of seemed to take it at that point. Anyway, it's still very new relatively in his stride in that he was kind of assessing what might come down the line. He said, look, I've got good family around me. I know that financially, uh, you know, I'll be okay. We were talking to Liam and he said, well, I'm not going to make any money out of this fight now. None of us are. I've got a job, but what's going to happen to that? Because, you know, he works at um, British Aerospace, I think, and everybody, all these question marks were just swirling around people's heads. I mean, as a license holder, as a promoter, manager, and trainer, you've got all three of them. How how did you go about getting information about what was going to happen? Did the board get in touch? Did you have to get in touch with them? Was it just ringing up people you knew who were in the same situation? What what, what happened?
2: Well, I, I think as you said, there everyone was phoning each other. Obviously, the British Boxing Border Control phone was head hot, but at the time, uh, if you remember, right there, Robert Smith was going by what the government were doing. Um, And their guidelines, and they were being led by them, he was never going to um, stray from it or their guidelines because they'd be open for whatever. If someone went to an event and caught COVID, there'd be a big legal case and soon. So the British Boxing Board of Control were always led by what the government were doing. And still now, I remember just recently in Manchester on the Tasha Katie bill, Robert Smith said, oh, I think this will be the last show now we have now where we won't have to do no more bubbles. And that was like last month and I'm going into a bubble next week. So they're still trying to find their feet and go back into it. And it doesn't help when news, different regions are going in spikes or they shut down a certain region, put that on lockdown. And up here at at the moment, it was Bolton the other week, then Blackburn, then it's Salford. And uh, how, how do you control it? Just when you think you're getting back to normal, it's still it's still uh, lingering that at any moment it's like, no, we're all shut back down again. We can't get too comfortable yet. Do you know what I mean? I still feel there's still some rocky roads ahead yet. We still can't feel comfortable. Obviously, the fans coming back. And then you've seen a few ticket outlets or you see Richard Branson saying, well, if you have to come to our event or go on our cruises, you've got to be fully vaccinated, have the two jabs, a vaccine passport. And is that what's got to happen now for boxing shows as well. How, how do you control that? With, with fans coming in, people who have had the vaccine or haven't had the vaccine, someone contacts COVID or it comes up, it's it's still a, a messy minefield. It,
3: it is, it, absolutely it is. Matt, one thing I was kind of wondering recently was whether people might be apprehensive about going back en masse to sporting events. For, for a long time, I thought to myself, they won't be. They'll just be so delighted to be able to do it that they'll be all over it like a rash. Now, the longer it goes on, I just begin to wonder whether whether I might be wrong about that. But then again, the Euros are on at the minute and in some stadiums, like in Budapest the other day, they had 67,000. I mean, how do you see that? Do you think people just, just they, they will want their fix of sport? They'll be so keen to get back to it that tickets will just fly out.
1: I think it will. But I mean, I think the whole COVID thing, people, societies have been a little bit split down the middle. You've got the ones who think what the fuck and then you've got ones who like literally you know they've got a mask on with a helmet on inside a car on their own do you know what i mean people have lost their minds haven't they so like it's it's a, it's one of them isn't it hey
2: hey, ki- hey kids hey everybody sitting here with a famous slovenian philosopher how are you doing sir i am uh in hell, thank you are you uh, excited about something I am excited
1: about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well,
2: there you have it. Listen to the Desire and Capital Podcast. Coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, Go. <laughs>
3: It, it is. I mean, so speaking of that, you know, masks and helmets and, and all the rest of it. When, when it became apparent that under certain conditions boxing would be able to return, so with Fight Camp and, and with the Frank Warren shows. Frank Warren was was before Fight Camp, actually. People always always forget that he had the he was the first one out of the gate. I remember him announcing really late. So Eddie had... Uh, made his announcement for Fight Camp a while out, hadn't he? And, and done loads of press and publicity around it. And then Frank didn't say anything. And then about ten days before his first show, um he actually went about uh, a week before, which, which in itself, kind of entertained me because even in circumstances like that, that sense of walnutmanship is is still there. But so, so anyway, I, I digress. When, when you knew that Fight Camp was happening, or any card was happening, and you were going to have fighters on it. How did you go about kind of planning a camp? Like, how did you have to sit down and think to yourself, well, I mean, you must have done, how am I going to do this under these circumstances?
2: I think um, lots of fights in lockdown happened. Lots of fighters went into fights with one hand behind the back, as in far as in preparation. I went into fight camp with Natasha Jonas in a garden. I went into... Fighting a fight in Latvia with Jose Burton under travel restrictions. Then we went and fought Canelo under lockdown rules. So we had it all with travel and everything. Um, first of all, like anything, when we get an opponent, can we get the sparring partners to, to, to match to replicate? You can bag and pad as much as you want, but like football, DP up is it's sparring, and if you don't get that sparring, you're in trouble. And um, we we're quite blessed with Natasha Jonas because we had Chantelle Cameron um, who who's just around the corner and um, she was up. Um, but it was like trying to book hotels. Hotels were shut. So whoever was coming spying was going straight home. The gymnasium, we had it cleaned out with the anti-coronavirus cleaning um, firm, came in and cleaned it all down. We had the temperature as soon as you came in the door. Uh, people wore masks. And um, we came back on the 1st of June, me and Natasha. And uh, it was just me and Natasha in the gym for, for, a, for a good while. But the preparation and that, then you went to Latvia, where you went over there. And they weren't in a lockdown. They, you went into shops there, and it was just sanitise your hands. But they had a, an audience, a crowd, um, and people were walking around. So that was weird. And then you all got back on a plane and told to keep two metres apart, which was quite surreal. Then we traveled to America in December and we had to fly on a plane with our mask on, stay in a hotel all week with masks on, no crowd, um, um, with a bit of a crowd there. And it was just the whole, the whole planning for all of it was very, very hard because you could not get the sparring partners because the hotels weren't open and flights weren't available to fly people in. So people, you got to ask them. And you got to remember at the time you were asking people to come up from London spar and go back down on the same day. Um, right right at the very beginning of it, you had that social distancing that you couldn't travel so far. they remember the government fellow that ended up going to Newcastle for a night or whatever. So it was all under that. So really, we were trying to get the sport up and running, get the fighters back in action again. But it was like one hand tied behind your back, if that makes sense.
3: No, it makes complete sense. And Matt, that, that was something we talked about quite a bit, wasn't it? Was um just the different circumstances that people would be would be in generally speaking you look at you look at camps and if you've got two full time pros obviously that that's something that's important you know for it to be a, a level kind of playing field if you like then a camp is something that you know how much you get out of it that's down to you uh, that's down to you as to how hard you work but all of a sudden we had a different kind of situation where luck almost came came into it did you have a somebody local who was going to be able to give you good sparring? It was, it, it's just a different world.
2: It, wasn't, yeah, it, it was It was also the council facilities, the, the the track that we use, we're not allowed to use the track because none of them areas were open. Um, but Manchester City Council were track near us once i have been on and explained Natasha, an elite athlete and all that. So they gave us a code and they gave us a time. And that's the only time we could use it. And it was just me and her and off and uh, and that was it. So we were so grateful. But things that like you think about a running track, which is outdoors, they were off limits at the time. And um, your David Lloyd's your swimming pools, they were all shut down at the time. Your SNC places, they were all shut down at the time. So you can't you usually do this, this, this and this. It wasn't. And if, if you had to be out for a decent re- reason or whatever, because everyone wasn't allowed to go straight too far away from the house. So it was um, weird. Uh, and Natasha was commuting every day back and forth. And at the time when it first happened, when it first happened, it was made to feel like it was like a mover. You'd be down the road and there'd be people dying on the sides of the road and we got this type of virus and everyone was frightened to death, weren't they? there? was uh, Everyone went mad for toilet roll as well, didn't they? Remember that S- silly print.
3: Oh my God, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a real good one. Now. I'd completely forgotten about that. People it just, just went mental. There. People went mental big. buying toilet roll, yeah.
2: just like razors stacked up bigger than Iceland. It was just mad. Did yeah. did your
3: did your old man buy you about one hundred and fifty toilet rolls, maclean Is that? Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He went Costco, and I'm like, oh no!
1: And it actually came. It came in really handy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that was insane. That was absolutely insane. But but like Joe's saying there, Matt. It, all of a sudden, you had, you know, you've got all these other, the the, the life of an athlete it, in a way um Is quite simple in that you gotta you gotta dedicate yourself to training. It's not easy, but but it's a straightforward formula. No. And all of a sudden, it's not straightforward. I mean, how do you think you would have handled it if you'd still been fighting?
1: I, I don't know, but like like just there, like you 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 work. It's, sometimes things, sometimes training, you're training for a fight doesn't go well. Not necessarily down to a lack of work ethic or what you're putting into it. Just shit happens whether you get injured or you're real or someone lets you down and spar in sparring but in this situation it was the only thing i will say like everyone had one hand, hand tied behind their back so from that point of view it was far from ideal but at least it was far from ideal
2: for everyone it was a level playing field in that regard
3: yeah, yeah. that's 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 a fair point
2: no no definitely the, the thing with it as well people are on about crowds no crowds i thought by not having crowds I thought it was a level playing field. I thought it was a level playing field. I've always said I'd love to see Tyson, Fury and Joshua with no crowd because it'd be like a straightener in a car park. That's level playing fields. We've seen where fighters like Josh Warrington who needed a crowd, didn't really perform. Fighters who weren't used to fighting in front of a crowd that are used to fighting at five o'clock and undercards and nothing, having good wins and causing upsets. So it, I thought it was just a complete level level playing field.
1: In, in terms of the fight camp fights, though, um, we've said this, and I'll just say it now because Joe's on. Natasha against Terry Harper had to be one of, if not the performance of the first fight camp. But I've got to say, going when I was going down there, just before I went down there, seeing, seeing Joe Gallagher on the clip, Taking people's temperatures was, without doubt, the highlight.
2: Oh, that was beautiful! That was absolutely beautiful. Crawler said, "Joe, that that's a proper Ricky Gervais. That's just golden dust." Oh, Oh, it was great. great. But they're making the ass off me, and they're making it such a big thing. So I thought. Why are you making out? We've well, got it. How the fuck do I know whether you've had surface Where and everything you've had it. So I said to Tash on the drive-in said, watch this. So she just started laughing. Someone did it and just had to crack. Do you know what I mean? Oh, but, uh, I remember watching it, thinking,
1: "Look at him. He's taking their fucking temperatures."
3: Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was so good. It was so oh. good because. Yeah, awesome. like like you say, that everybody's taking your temperature, and then you kind of like to switch it on. them. just go. Do you mind if I take yours? Then and like, let's let's have a look at your temperature, shall we? It was just it was tremendous. I d- I did enjoy those kind of scenes of watching fighters move into the bubble outside the Holiday Inn because it reminded me of of when I was I was at university and everybody was was moving into halls. You know, you've got kind of like grills, you've got yeah, TVs, you've got all this stuff that people are just trying to bundle through through the door. I mean, how did you find how did you find bubbles? Because we're speaking to John about it, John Pegg. And, and um, I've not really been in any. And it was quite interesting. He said, oh, I loved it. He said, I loved it. You know, I've got six dogs and three kids at home. You know, it was it <laughs> it it was it was it was, it was, it was, it was his kind of oasis of calm. And he said, but from a trainer's point of view, what was really good was that you kind of, you had your fighter under lock and key for the days building up to the fight. You don't know exactly what they're doing at all times, but in an environment like that, you do know what they're definitely not doing. Yeah. which is going out and staying up late and all that kind of thing. How did you find the bubble?
2: Yeah, no, we I, I enjoyed it. Um, like like with John, enjoyed it. You managed to get away, catch up and stuff because the internet's always there. Work you can, doesn't stop you studying, working. Um, like I say, keeping an eye on Natasha, making sure she is resting, doing all that stuff. And like you, you're seeing there in Eddie's Garden, they have a, a, a little concourse area. There was a bit of game of cricket or a bit of football for whoever wanted to do that. And then they tried to do a bit of quiz things. And some people built up relationships there, because usually it shows it's a way and it's this, and you don't get a chance to stop and talk. Um, So there was that side of it. But, yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it As the fight camps went on, the food got better. It was trial (laughs) by error. Um, But, like you say, the the movement around it at first, the the last one that we just did there uh, uh, Tasha Katie one that was different again there because you're in a proper hotel again now. The first one we were in the Premier Inn and Eddies, that we were in the Hilton. And um, you could just tell everyone that learnt what to do now. It was well run. You didn't feel like you were in a bubble until you stepped out that day going going to the arena. But well, I, I enjoyed it. I think Tasha did, Marcus. Crawler did. Crawler uh, <laughs> enjoyed it. Because at the night time, there's an area for them then to chill out and have a catch up or what with whatever and just catch up with boxing people burstsell and talk some stuff on what's going on in the world
3: matt, matt it was it was interesting though because i remember thinking god there's, there's going to be some guys who just this is not for them and and Dillian white was kind of one because he brought his his big winnebago and and stayed in that and that was fine and that meant that he didn't have to really steep a that kid i remember talking to Bellew about it and, and just saying you know would you have been able to do this and he just said no i don't think so I couldn't be bumping into whoever I was boxing every day over the over the breakfast table it's but but there were very we got wind of very little of that people just kind of found a way to to get on with it but I, but I can see why you know it wouldn't exactly be ideal you know if you're trying to take yourself to that place mentally <laughs> that you look up and there's there's your opponent you know having some cornflakes
1: yeah I mean obviously this was probably um you know <laughs> Look, the bubbles was literally a ball, so there was no one else in there, only the fighters. But it's not at the normal that all the fight fraternity on the weekend, on, on the week of a big fight, are in the same hotel anyway. Uh, yeah. For example, in America, generally, generally in America, you, you're in, everyone is in yeah. town seven days before the fight, or well, you know, if it's in a casino or, or, or even the fight isn't in a casino, even if it's in New York, up the garden, let's say, generally speaking, everyone is in town seven days before the fight, because if they've got to get the medicals done, every commission's different. They want you in town to make sure there's no mishaps or, you know, something goes, someone fails a medical or whatever, they need they need time to, to deal with that. So, you know, from that point of view, it wasn't totally out of the normal. I just think it was probably um, the fact that there's no one else in town, only the fighters, then that was probably a bit more... Um, it, yeah, like a more extreme case of it, but a lot of those fighters would have, and a lot of these fighters as well would have boxed internationally in multi nations
2: world championships. Everyone's in the same hotel at those events. Everyone. Yeah, I think the very first bubble. I think what what I learned was because they were asked to go in there on the Monday, Tuesday, when it was coming round to the Friday after the weighing, to trying to consume the food that they needed to be consumed. Obviously. There's food on there, there's your pizzas, there's all, all that type of stuff. But for elite athlete, the food that you're used to pumping straight into when you're making championship weight, that was the only thing. But as I just said before, that improved as went well. on. when we did Frank Warren's bubble with Callum Johnson, how unbelievable. I just thought, wow, this is just a different level. Nailed it. Proper food, good food. What I call athlete food. I know there's people there that working on the TV and everything else that like the pizza or they like this and like that. And usually the fighters get... Thought about last, but on Frank's bubble there, that was all, all, all driven towards the fighters. And I just thought, now nah, fair play.
3: So, what were those two trips like then? I mean, I remember the the one to Latvia, and I know it was it was kind of extraordinary circumstances for for any number of different um, reasons, and kind of two shows went or three were needing to be squeezed into two with the golden contract or yeah. or something like that. But all of a sudden. Hosea, in the semi-finals got to go to Bolotnik's backyard, and I remember just seeing the footage of it and just thinking, "This almost, this is like, this <laughs> is no disrespect to Latvia. Um, this almost kind of looks like it's happening on the moon because <laughs> the the well, because just what was happening over there was so different
2: yeah. to what
3: was happening here. I mean, that must have been.
2: It was because we were in the same hotel as Celtic. They were playing a, a Champions League qualifying match. And um, yet there was no fans allowed in, in the stadium that was under UEFA rules. Yeah. But um, when Ophi fought, it was in like a casino type place. It was packed, alcohol served, everyone had the crack. You've seen all the pictures yourselves and everyone's walking the streets. No one's wearing masks. And as I said before, it's just hand sanitising. That was great to go there for a bit of normality again, just to walk around normal, not having to have your mask on and um, having a crowd fighting. Um that, that, that it was just good to be back at it. It was weird, though, then when you got on the plane and you arrived in Manchester, right, take your time getting off, keep your distance, and you just think, hang on a minute, we've just been <laughs> on the other side, at the other gate terminal in Latvia, Riga, all chilling out together. It's Like I say, it's still conflict, conflicting. And I think when we are in Latvia, because we were sat around and telly's on and watching the news you see a different news how they portray things and you, you're seeing the severity of what was happening in Italy with it and then with France and then with England and you just think to yourself wow is that where we're wow it doesn't seem that bad because you're in it but when you pulled out of it and looking back home how they're portraying how bad it is back in the UK and that like Jesus Christ what makes you want to sure go back there so um yeah it, 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 it was weird same thing again I don't think there was one hotel where they didn't have the saunas on but Steam rooms, all that type of stuff, swim pools, they were open. So it was just mad. It was just like, made you think, well, why are we doing that back home when here they're not? And they had really low cases. I haven't had any cases there in Latvia. And um, it was just like, wow. And yet we had to go back to that. Do you understand? And it made you doubt. Listen, we've all seen it all over the last year, 18 months, the conspiracy theorists, why it's for, it's for 5G, it's the reset, it's for currency, it's for, for whatever it is, but... When, when you're on the plane then and you go there and it's back to normal to put back in and put back in a place, start thinking, what is this all about? A little bit.
3: Yeah, I can understand that. I just remember kind of looking at that trip and just thinking at the time, that must have been a really interesting one to go on. I remember going to Germany in mid-July last year and Germany was in, in lockdown like we were, but it was just really interesting to be somewhere else. And like you say, watch the news and, and see what their take on things was. And I can't even believe that really happened now because there was no, there were no travel restrictions. I didn't have to do any testing um, before I left. When I got there, there was absolutely nothing. The plane was pretty full. Some people wearing masks, some people weren't. I remember an old lady bollocking the, the life out of someone in the departure lounge for not wearing a mask properly on the way back, and uh, uh, and finding that was pretty entertaining. But and she was absolutely right, you know, she was absolutely right. But I, I just can't. I can't quite believe that that I was allowed to do that, yeah. um, to, to, to be honest with you, to be honest with you. So what was it like going to America then? That, I mean, that was much more towards the end of the year. That was, that was December time.
2: Yeah, uh, well, America, right from when we um, got down, hotel, in your own hotel, Heathrow, all the checks, the paperwork, go through it, have to have your mask on all the time, um, get on the plane. And do you think you get on the plane? Oh, I'll be able to take your mask off. No, keep your mask on. And even if you put it down Joe, underneath your nose, the stewardess will be coming around, poking, mask on, sir, mask on, sir. Obviously, we we're fortunate to fly in a business class, so Callum and ourselves, we're all trying to get to sleep. And then when you go to sleep, you try to sleep inwards and pull your mask down. But the stewardesses will coming past, prodding you, waking you up, put your mask on. That's a long flight to be doing that, isn't it? And then um, you get to America, you've got to wear the mask over your nose. If you're caught on the streets with it under your nose, it's a $200 fine. And um, we only we went to the hotel and literally we were in the hotel and we tested straight away and we weren't allowed out of the hotel then for uh, the rest of the week. We were just there in the hotel. The hotel was empty with only what was going on on by camp uh, Canelo week. So Callum Smith had a floor, Canelo had a floor, the zone had a floor, whatever else did. And, and that was weird because you were just up and down the lift with your mask on to a little Starbucks coffee place in the morning or they had um, a bit of a, a bar area on where there was a television on, but that was it, really. It was just, you were just in your mask. I remember Beefy, when we came home, he had, he had a rash around his face, I think Stephen did, from having to have the mask on you constantly, literally, so you went in your room, do you know what I mean? But it was like 24-7, no matter where you went, you had the mask on. And then to come back, I remember that we got back on the plane, and Cam Smith had his arm like this, and um, Callum's nose was so, so he had a mask on, but it was there... And the stewardess said, uh, no, you've got to put your mask on, sir. And uh, Callum said, I can't, you no. Know? She says, no, you've got to put your mask on or take it off the flight. So I said, excuse me, love. I said, you just boxed last night. He's got punched in the nose. Nose is broke. So he's doing the best that he can. Give him a break type of thing. She goes, well, hang on a minute. Then we'll, we'll have to speak to the captain to speak to somebody to see, is he insured to fly back then if he can't wear a mask? And you're like, oh, my God, his arm's out here. He's throbbing. He's in agony. You know, Matt, you just want to get home, don't you? And uh next thing then, she goes, mentions, right, OK, then, yeah, he has done, but can you just wear it the best that you can do? So, And even then, Callum, when he was trying to sleep with his nose and all that, during the changeover mid-flight, the new girl, most we didn't know, excuse me, Sir, can you put that mask on? And that's how it was. And when you're coming off a loss and everything else, it's hard, do you know what I mean? And you got back to Heathrow, mask on, then you're in a van, and then you're back up. And it was just a... It was it was just a weird trip. It, it was with the loss as well. It's just all bad memories. It's 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 very bitter with me the whole thing that went on there. Um with the fight, with the travel, with everything else. It was just it was just a horrible experience. There was nothing, nothing at all I enjoyed from it at all whatsoever. It was just it was just bad from the word get-go. And from the word get-go, I mean it was like taking it at five weeks' notice.
3: Yeah, Matt, I remember we 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 talked about that. It wasn't on the podcast, I don't think, but we we were kind of just chatting about how you know that's the biggest fight out there boxing Canelo and and it was just such a shame that that the circumstances were what they what they were because you saw how different it was a few months later for for Billy Joe Saunders, you know, in front of the people, lights, camera action, amazing spectacle, and and for Callum it just wasn't you know, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's just a real shame, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you, it's it's the biggest fight in boxing, isn't it? Getting the Canelo fight. In. For it not to then be able to live up to what you always envisaged it being, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it felt very sort of anticlimactic.
2: Yeah. Hey, everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle
0: Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally
2: obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Especially when we, we'd been under them surrounds uh, and conditions all week and then we walk into the stadium and I think there was like 15,000 Mexicans there and go, why are they flying around? They have <laughs> no mask in the stadium and we've got to keep everything. I, I, I found it really weird, um, Matthew and Andy, was that me and Natasha were in the gym together all the time. Me and Natasha drove down together in the same car. We took the tests and we weren't having the mask on facing each other all the time. And then when it got to going in the ring, I had to put a yeah. mask on and then a windscreen on. And I'm like, I've been with her the whole, whole time. And uh, the, the thing was like messing up. That was really weird the first time that I was like, I not say claustrophobic, but you're like, this is it, this is steam up A sense of panic. Like I can't cope with this. Like, and yeah. I, I can't express myself on what I what to say this. And she's not hearing me. And you're like bleeding mask. can't speak and she can't hear me. What are you saying? And all that type of stuff. And you get, it's, it was just, so weird. And then the odd build goes, keep your voice down. Keep your voice down. Are you kidding me? I've got a shout. I've got a bleeding mask on here. Do you know what I mean? So that, that, that was very, very, very weird, the beginning of that. I enjoyed Latvia so I could be able to shout, but that was really weird. Yeah. I mean,
1: I said it before. I've said it to Andy anyway. I said, you know, if everyone's in this bubble that have all passed the test and so nobody has got COVID and nobody can venture outside of the bubble and they get to the ring... And they've got to wear a mask and the, a, a visor thing on. Whose mm. fucking benefit is that for? No. Because it's not for the fighters. It's not for the trainers. Everyone's had a negative test. They haven't yeah. been anywhere. So w- what? What? It's just for show. I said, But no only is it show. How, how is the fighter supposed to hear their trainer yeah. in between rounds when they got, when they got a mask and, and a visor on? Yeah. I can't hear the women. I can't hear the girls behind the counter in Costa. <laughs> the big screen and they've got a mask on and i'm not under any pressure do you know yeah. what i mean and I, I can't hear what they're
2: saying no
3: no yeah that, that's been the whole mask thing just across society generally is is just a real head fuck isn't it because like you say firstly you can't really hear what people say but it's amazing what a difference it makes just not being able to see someone's whole face like the i've met people wearing a mask and then seen them I don't know. Uh, half an hour later, met them for the first time. I mean, seeing them half an hour later, not wearing one and just not recognise them. Like people who work in my wife's in my wife's business, I, I walk in and they don't recognise me. I don't recognise them. It's just, it's incredible how impersonal everything becomes because of that, because of that bit of, bit of fabric. Uh, that's something I've really, really noticed. Um, so not, not great memories of that of that trip then, Joe, but, but so what about a high point? What would you say would have, would have been a high point for you? It, doesn't, it, it can be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be boxing even.
2: No, I think that, 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 that some of the high points was, one, was being in uh, the first fight camp, was being surreal, stood there watching, looking around going, wow, this feels weird. And all you could hear is the drones above and you're going, wow, is that the atmosphere? And then it was just surreal to be involved in that. And at the time... We were enjoying it because we were there for the win, and there was loads of psychology and mind games, everything going on. And um, our tails were up, but just to enjoy that experience, to see I was happy Natasha was challenging for a world title, seeing her giving her the red carpet treatment, the fireworks, everything, and us snarling and spitting in defiance as, as we are. It was we really enjoyed that. And the fact we didn't go to the judges, we won it in another sense of terms. You know what I mean, Natasha achieved an awful lot of that, even though she did win the world belt from where she'd come from to where she was. We brought her back, she's back. And then, as she said about the Katie, to have built from then Terra onto Katie instead of going back down to go up again. So that was a real good thing. The Calm Smith was a real bitter experience. Um, good thing on lockdown was someone telling me that I can't leave the house, can't go to the gym, although it isn't good, but managing to just switch off and when lockdown did finish the missus says well there's joe gone now then see you again then next time as they got to know you're not coming stressed or she said the other day the worst thing i ever hear from you is you going fucking hell they'll let me down again with sparring partners the amount of time she says it's the vein of your life and um, it can be nine o'clock at night six o'clock in the morning and um but it just enjoyed us all to switch off enjoy food i went up to scott quick before i was 14 7 when i go back into that gym on first of june i was 17 stone two i enjoyed <laughs> fucking lockdown i'm telling you and you've got to remember as well we had brilliant weather it was the best summer for a long time weather and um when the goal was to get it back down and when tasha 4k had got it down to 15 2 and then when Callum, I got it down to 13.10. So there were little goals. You set yourself going, it's like, do you know what? I've just let it go. Now it's time to get back on it. But I, I, there were my own little challenges, reading books, me and Natasha, everything else, and we all sort of, like, gained things. Natasha improved, and I have to say, I did, doing a lot of self-work on myself a little bit, reading various books, reading podcasts, And uh, just enjoying family time, the best that you could do at the time. I was my mum's carer, so I had to bring my mum's shopping for every second or third day and get what medication and medicine. And that was quite stressful because just before lockdown, the day I just got quick, I took my mum to see Tommy Ternan. He's a fantastic comedian from Ireland. He's got a show there in RTE and um, my mum got to meet him and that. When we came home walking down the path, my mum had a fall. So she like bust her chest, legs, everything else. So she wasn't in a good way. and lockdown, her confidence was knackered from walking. And um, so that was quite tough at first, but it was allowing me to leave the house because if anyone pulled me, I was my mum's carer. So maintaining her and getting that going, that was quite stressful um, in COVID. But everything else, uh, it's in Stone too. told you I enjoyed it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, everything was just sort of, just simpler wasn't it I mean it just just it was it was I mean you had a responsibility there but um it was a case of just finding ways to to kind of fill the days Matt you know it's um yeah I've got pretty good memories of that first lockdown to be honest I was just going into the factory helping my wife out that was okay for a couple of months and then it started to drive me absolutely mental but the first few weeks were were good you know it was it was it, it was good, you know, it was good fun. You live by yourself though, I mean, but 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 you, you did say during that period that the fact that you'd spent a lot of time away from home and training camps on your own just melt, that meant that it was kind of, it's pretty easy for you.
1: Yeah, like I say, I, I, I've done that many weeks in the wildcard in a motel next door on <laughs> me jack for like six, seven, eight weeks, you know, bored, lonely, fed up, training, dieting. So I was kind of used to being... On my own, I'm used to my own company, so it wasn't, bit, I was okay with it. I actually got down, you know, I told, said it, when we did the, the pub with John pig, pig, I got down to 12 Stone during that period because it was the first time in a long time that I had a chance where I had structure, routine, and I could actually stick to a diet. You know, when you're traveling, you're on motorways, or an in airports, you're grabbing whatever you can, aren't you? And, it, and then you think, ah, fuck it, I'll start on Monday. You know, it's that mentality, isn't it, with the diet, and it just goes out the window. Where with this, because we had like two months or whatever it was of a lockdown, three months, I, I stuck to the diet, do you know what I mean? And I wasn't like doing mad training, but I was doing a bit, I had a bit of a chin-up bar, I had a bit of a I had one dumbbell thing where you can adjust the weights. And I was doing press-ups and I was going on, I was doing a good few runs. I was going on long walks. And, yeah, man, I just uh, – it it gave me and – and, and actually it gave me the kind of motivation then to think when things do get open up again, get properly fit, and then just, you know what, maintain that fitness because, you know, it's just about looking after yourself, isn't it? Not training for anything, just yeah. a bit of self-respect, really.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think lockdown, that, that first one, it kicked everybody off the, the, the rat race, the hamster wheel, and allowed everyone to get back to – Connecting with family, connecting themselves. I remember going on a walk on a Sunday, Sunday, and walk, everyone was doing walks, weren't there? And it was a sofa and she was going, Wow, look at everyone out cycling and all this on sofa. This is how it used to be years ago when the shops were all shut on a Sunday. Sundays were always family days. They'll be at the park, they'd go to church, whatever. Sundays, it's only when it started becoming a 24 hours test goes and the shifts, but there was half day Wednesdays, early knock on a building site on a Friday. And then on the Sunday was off, it was always the case. And I always thought to myself, wow, if we all learn something from, the, from this, let's try and get back to normal, but keep Sundays off. And that's a half day Wednesdays again for families, because I feel everyone reconnected again a little bit there in that period. Yeah, keep definitely. holding, <laughs> Yeah, def- definitely, definitely.
3: Sundays, yeah, that's right. Mean, Sundays when I was a kid, the Sunday, nothing happened on Sundays. Like yeah you, know, you just go out you just go go down and play football with your mate because there was nothing else to do. No,
2: Absolutely nothing sure else news to do. Were shut by midday.
3: Yeah exactly exactly. Well we've got about 10 minutes so it would be wrong for us to let you go without talking about uh I was going to say the news has just come out by the time you listen to this it'll be two or three weeks old but the world boxing super series is going to be super featherweights women's super featherweights next season. Now that immediately when I saw that I thought wow that is a really good choice of division. Really good choice of division. Uh, and when you think about who's going to be in it, obviously you'll have the uh, the champions, which are Terry Harper, Hyunmi Choi, uh, Michaela Mayer, assuming that she defends her title successfully this coming Saturday, May for Hamadouche. And then you'd imagine Tasha Jonas will be pretty nailed on for that. Delphine Pessoon, I mean, she's always been a super featherweight, really, even when she fought Katie those couple of times. Maybe Amanda Serrano. Um, you know, you know this. This Eva Volstrom, she could, she could fight in that. I mean, that could be a hell of a tournament. I mean, just first of all, tell us, she's going
2: to be in that, isn't she? Please, surely. Uh, um, I'd like to think she would be, but Natasha, we had a conversation in the gymnasium the other day. First of all, before we get to that. The World Boxing Super Series has been a brilliant event. Listen, we were very fortunate with Callum Smith to go in it and with Yucic and win it. And you've seen it's brought out the number one. You just look at Josh Taylor now, the number one from it. What comes out the end result is literally the number one fighter in the world at that weight division. comes with the ring belt. Um, So this, for the girls, I know Eddie Hearn tried doing... Are uh, you undisputed type of thing? But this in the World Boxing Super Series uh, set up with the way they have the ring, the the lights. It's just brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. So I'm really happy for that. Now for Natasha to go into it um we've got to speak to her. I know Tasha would love to go into it, but Tasha's at a point here now. And we had this discussion in the gym of the other day at the moment, Tasha. Uh, are we going for the glory or are we going for the money? Because where you are at the moment now, okay, you've challenged twice for a world title. First time you won, although you didn't get it. Second time, it was a round. Won one more round and you had it on the scorecard. So there's a one point round difference on the scorecard. So do you want to go for that again and go for the money or do you want to go for the glory and get the world title? If you go in the World Boxing Super Series, I think you'll win it. I think the, the other person that I think would win it would be um, the Finn Pursuit. I think Michaela Mayer, the Finn Pursuit, Natasha Jonas, they're the three. If I had to pick your three favourites, they'd win it. Just on the pedigree, the skill sets, everything else, find that heavyweight division, they'd be the three. You want to run the risk in that and not become a world champion, but you'll get whatever money is. World Boxing Super Series is known for paying the fight as well. Or do you want to go for the glory again? Do you want to go for that Katie Taylor fight? Do you want to go for it? We know what we did wrong um, last time. We know we're, 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 within, we're, we're getting closer. The gap's getting closer and we could do it. So you have a goal for cater rematch, big money, but there's no guarantee you win. You'll go to the World Boxing Super Series. No guarantee you win that. Or you hang around and you wait for a vacant belt and you fight someone from Argentina that works at Costa
0: New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. Joe, how,
2: how, how realistic is the Katie Taylor rematch? No, I think the Katie Taylor's a really good uh, uh, good chance that can happen, not straight away, but I'd say by the end of the year. Um that, that is um, uh, a, a real good chance, good possibility. I think Katie Taylor has got a few defences of a few of her belts. But the big name she wants, I know there's talk of a crossover fight with Cyborg, the Serrano. Serrano wants big money. Serrano's only a featherweight as well. Um, she just had a good win in the, in the cage the other night as well, as did Clarissa Shields. Natasha Jonas has been offered to go into Bellator. Bellator's paying big money. Chantel Cameron is doing cage work. Well, don't be surprised not to see her. I do feel women's boxing, i was talking about, if they don't start paying the girls the money that someone deserves, not saying men's money, but improving what it is, you've got to see more and more going over to that cage, that MMA stuff.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think they'll, they'll lose fighters. They'll lose fighters. And, and but you see
2: Serena Clarissa there now. And
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, just I just hope that with with the Super Series... Um, they're going to see the reward that they're due. But, but Matt, that is potentially a really, really good competition because I don't, hopefully, I don't see any real reason why they can't get all four belts in that. Someone like Hamadouche is, is a fighter not that many people know too much about. She's been in, in France her whole career. Her last fight was in Italy. Um, she's been difficult to tempt away from there, but...
2: She's in the Olympics, isn't she?
3: She's in the Olympics, yeah. She qualified for the, for the Olympics. Mayor's with top rank. Um... He'll Meet Choi and Terry Harper are with are with Matt Troom. I mean, do you we should be able to get the strongest lineup possible for that for that eight-woman tournament, you would you would hope, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, well, I think the reason why it was such a good tournament for the men, Joe mentioned Josh Taylor, Rusek, getting the best fighting the best, and whoever comes out on top is the number one, was the fact that people, whoever the I can't remember what they were called, were willing to put the money up and make it happen. So you know, from Natasha's point of view, you'd like to think that the same will apply here in the women's tournament and that there will be enough money in there to get all the champions to the table and set up a tournament by which at the end of it you come out with an undisputed uh, champion and whoever does come out at the end of it will have earned a lot of money along the way.
3: They've got some good stories as well, all the fighters in that competition. I mean, it'd be a really good one to you could you could weave some real magic around it, I think, definitely. So we'll just finish off with, um, so I didn't tell you about this. And Callum Joe.
1: Johnson, that's, that's been a, a story of the uh, of the fight, of this period of COVID. You know, obviously he was with Eddie, he's not now. He's with Frank. You know, Frank's got Lyndon Arthur, he's got uh, Anthony Yard. You know, are, they, are these fights going to happen, Joe? Callum's not a spring chicken, is he? I mean, he's no. not. You know, the, the time is now, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no, it's funny to say that because Callum in lockdown and you're seeing it, he, I think he went flipping ties for four hours one day. Then he raised money for charity, flipping ties in the heat. Then another day, he did a, a mad cycle with an Olympic swimmer, and raised lots of money down there. And he, he, where he's from down there, he's quite a celebrity. So um, yeah, I know that's a story. The frustrating frustration of him fighting, not fighting. He was due to fight on that on the Scott Quigg bill before lockdown for European. Then it got moved to the April then the main finger. So he's with Frank now. He's had a good win come back, a good dangerous fight, and um, got caught, ticked boxes. And um, yeah, Callum Johnson, there's some fresh air for Frank. Callum's just gone in and gone, right, whoever, I'll fight him, I'll fight him, I'll fight him. Whoever I want, I, who he wants is Joe Smith Jr. There, there was talk about them fighting before, Joe Smith Jr.'s is interested in the fight. I know some of over in America um, when Callum Johnson fought twice. His story registered very well digitally wise with the zone um, and at the setup. So that fight is half done for the American finger, two kids going at it, similar styles. And um, I, as I say to Frank, I said to other people, Callum Johnson in the situation of Callum Johnson Yard and uh, Lyndon Arthur at the moment is very much like Eddie Hearn's got with Liam Smith, Sam Egerton, and Ted Cheeseman. Liam Smith's operated at world level. Callum Johnson has that world level. The other two haven't yet, do you understand? And Callum Johnson's first in the queue for a world shot. Well
1: Yard has. Yard fought Kovalev, didn't he?
2: Oh, yeah, 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 he did in Kovalev and he came out. But apart from that fight, his other only domestic fight was the southern area. The first time he spoke for a domestic belt, he's lost to Arthur, do you understand? So it's, uh, yeah, but it's, yeah. But what's the the chances of getting the Joe Smith fight? No, very good. At the moment, I think there's an offer on the table from Daniel Jacobs' team for him to fight him. They, they, top rank want to do the B2BF fight. Um, B2BF and Bivol last performances haven't been great, so you don't know whether they're just going over the side. Then obviously you've got Boazzi coming up on the other side as well, so there's a race on. I do feel them belts, there's got to be a bit of manoeuvring and changing sooner or later. Uh, I think that the, the, the mileage is beginning to, I'm hearing like John Ryder's in the frame for Bivol next now as well, so that'd be a, a an interesting fight to, to watch. But uh, Joe Smith, I think because of his performance last time out, he's got a huge target on his back, but he fought a very good fighter, an awkward fighter and still ground out the win, but he's a very good fighter, Joe Smith Jr. And We mention him, it's only because of the the history between the two of them. There's heads to heads with them together. They know each other and we've been in talks before, but that'd be a good fight, that, between the two of them.
3: Yeah, it really would, because they're kind of two quite, kind of quite similar characters, hardworking fighters, they're not. They're not big talkers no in that. they yeah. No trash talk. They're not. They don't run around town shouting their head off about how great they are at things. They just get on with it. Um, Both got power. Yeah, I don't see any way that that could be anything other than just a really, really good fight. Um, we've got to wind it up there um, because uh, Macklin has uh, other engagements. He's a busy man. It's it's you know it's we've nailed him down for two podcasts today, which it, which over the last few weeks has been. Has been basically an impossible thing to do. You know, he's, he's in demand at all times, at all times. Before, uh, so you, before
2: you go, before you go, because I know Matt's busy and all that. Quick one: uh, What do you think of the um, Eddie Heurn's own Sky situation now, and Sky going off on its own for the new season ahead?
3: I'll, I'll, I'll go first for this one. If you want, Matt, I, I think yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited about it because. The more I thought about it towards the tail end of of that deal between Matt Truman and Sky, the more I was convinced, and I know M- Matt was the same, we we talked about it a lot, that he was going to go with the zone because the fact that he hadn't already re-signed with Sky and because they'd done the American thing, I just thought they're gonna go with the zone because if they don't, then what what's it all what's it all for? Um and I think the prospect of doing something new, of working with with possibly with multiple promoters domestically, which looks like it's gonna be the plan. Of working with top rank in the usa uh i'm really i'm really yeah I'm, I'm up for it i'm really excited about it it's it's something new is always good change is good it was it was a good relationship with Matchroom, but nothing lasts forever um competition is is a great thing um so yeah personally i don't think the outcome could really have been any better from 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 our point of view as as, as um sky people if you like because I, th- I think that I think that relationship with Matru would kind of run its course.
1: I think more money in boxing, more and more TV is only good for fighters. It's more opportunities, more money for the fighters, more competition. So I just think there's more money in the sport in general, uh, which is going to benefit the fighters and benefit the trainers and managers and, and everyone in it. So I think it's a good thing. It's a, it's a change, and, and we'll see what comes of it. But you know, people are scared of change, but with change comes opportunity. So it's going to be exciting to see who, who who kind of flourishes
3: now. So, just quickly, Joe, what, what do you think of it?
2: I, I Echoing mean, your thoughts, I, I just feel at the time, I, the, listen, you, you see social media and you see everyone's the amount of abuse like Sky get. Listen, I've through myself, Eddie Hearn Matt room and get. And really, it was like, I can understand what people, as Eddie Hearn, would be saying we can make this wilder Joshua fight and Sky bring him over. When they never really could do, because Al Heyman was running the show there. So that was never ever going to happen. And I, ju- I just felt sometimes Sky, I don't know, the internet maybe lost control in the um production. It's like they might say, Well, we don't want that fight. And it's like, well, that fight's happening. Do you understand? It became a bit of a the 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 the, the tails wagging the dog a little bit of in a sense. I don't know if it's that we say, because there's some fights there, especially on the pay-per-view model that shouldn't have been pay-per-view events, but generated money, that are most probably now go. On, a, on an app that will be 199. So like you say, I think Eddie's got to go on. He's an ambitious man. He's got to conquer the world. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how you've got to drive the viewers to that. What I've always said for my fighters regarding Sky is they've got Sky Sports News. That is an unbelievable machine that drives viewers, casuals, weigh-ins when they're watching the weigh-ins on a Friday at work or whatever, or the build-up. That drives it to people to, to watch the boxing on a Saturday night. They have that. Um, You've seen Canelo's last fight in HBO, the weighing. It was nearly a packed out um, MGM Grand in Vegas for the weighing. His first fight in the zone was uh, there at the, the arena. It was dead because they didn't have, like HBO or Sky have, the, the machine to drive the viewers to it. Does that make sense at all? So that'd be interesting to see how that happens in the zone. But I, I think with Sky, I see Dennis Hobson set up his fights on. I think that Sky is good for him to go back and go, do you know what? Let's try, give everyone else a bit of a go of it and let's see what happens. You've got Kala in there, you've got that boxer that they've done a deal with, the top rank, the, the, the fighters there in top rank, they've gotten their payroll. We've got Inoue, we've got Lomachenko. I know the 3am gigs, but I'm sure there's the normal replays at 9, 11 o'clock in the morning coming up. But I think it's good for fighters, for, for the next generation of fans to see, be able to see ways and your Lomachenko's and get pay-per-view back to being Pay-per-views and events, and I'm not criticizing pay-per-views and events, is we'd be out and we go, come, we've got to go, that fight's on, we can't miss it. A pay-per-view event was a, we can't miss it. I, there wasn't many people saying, come, we've got to go, we've got to miss a couple of them pay-per-view events, was there? And I think you've got to get that back with the pay-per-view model. That was my take on it. Anyway, so to make boxing that premium elite, again, it's worth paying it because it's the best fight in each other. Yeah, sense?
3: I mean, yeah, I think everything you said there makes total sense. Um, and it's going to be a, a fascinating few months. Really, really interesting. And it's good for everybody. You know, it is like like Matt said, change is good. Change brings opportunity for all sorts of people. Competition is good. It makes everybody else raise their game. And the more people showing it, it's definitely better uh, for the fighters. So we'll... We'll we'll have to go uh, on that note, but it's a good note to to leave on. So, Joe, thanks very much. It's always well, great fun chatting to on. you. Um, uh, everybody else, take it easy. Um, if you find yourself on iTunes and fancy giving us a, a good review and a five star rating, then uh, then knock yourselves out. That'd be great. And we will catch you for one more. We've got one more coming up next week. I'm not going to say who with, just in case, just in case it doesn't quite happen. But we're quite we're quite excited about it. Um, yeah, it's someone Matt knows well who's very very good company um, okay in the meantime oh, uh, that doesn't narrow the list down under <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely doesn't it definitely doesn't but uh, <laughs> yeah I can't say any more about that one but um, take it easy everybody we'll catch you again soon
1: are the
0: right babe not that Maggie back in town I said Jenny Diver whoa sookie tawdry Got to Miss Lottie linya And old Lucy Brown Yes, that line falls On the right, babe Not that Maggie